This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. I don't know how I feel about accents. And and wait, 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 wait. Just to clarify, mm. people imitating an accent that isn't their own or just Precisely. Because everybody naturally has an accent. Mm. And, no, and go, like, go, go. It's well no, it's that thing. It's that mm. phenomenon where to me, mm. an Australian accent feels neutral, mm. but it's actually one of the strongest accents you can have. Mm. And there are even sub accents. Like mine is a very South African private school accent. Like playing, <laughs> playing, playing rugby and playing and playing footy, especially after high school. The question I'd be asked a lot was where in South Africa I grew up. Uh, and you know, it's sort of like a weird private school inflected sort of what I would call fairly neutral accent. But Shag, the sort of accent I'm really concerned about. Your, your question cuts right to the quick of. Uh, particularly actors, but but sort of anyone from one culture um, clothing themselves in the accent of another culture. And I'm just not sure it's cool. Now, in Australia, we grew up with seminal, like, comedic takes of oh. people doing a funny accent from a different culture. It's, it's so important to know mm. to people who don't live in Australia. If you're listening and you don't live in Australia, uh, Australia has... A, we, mm. We've talked about this on the pod before. Mm. A very uh, ignorant in the term of they don't know what they're doing is wrong, but an, an ignorant. A willful ignorance. A willful, ignorant, mm. gently racist culture. Yep. A gently racist, you know, culture that we, we've, we've had forever. But, you know, right up until 10 years ago, popular culture in Australia would do shit that you just would, mm-hmm. would make your jaw drop in other countries. Like, yep. it's. There's like I love Australia. Like I love so much about Australia, but yeah. culturally, we've got a long, long way no. to go. There was an entire there's an entire genre of comedy. I mean, growing up, Shag, I'm not sure if you remember the Twelfth Man, where um, there was an entire comedian who would essentially there'd be CDs released that were comedy CDs and CDs. Fucking, <laughs> I feel like I'm about a thousand years old. They were records, right? You used to get the mini disc and you'd insert it in the cassette player and it'd go well. Um, and the actor would perform all of the different roles, the same actor, and they would be from many different countries, and some of them from India, and some of them from Pakistan, and some of them from Jamaica. And, and it and it, and it was mm. all of those people because the twelfth mm. man, twelfth man is like a cricket term, which I think mm-hmm. is your reserve. There's eleven yep. people on the pitch, and the twelfth yep. is your sort of reserve or whatever. Um, yep. And this this was a phenomenon. I think there was mm. one Christmas in the nineties, maybe the early nineties, yeah. when. Every single household in Australia. It, like, um, topped the charts that year, I'm pretty sure. Received this CD under Mm. the tree from Santa. And so this brings me to having gone to the Opera House to get some high culture recently. So just a couple of days ago, we went and saw Amadeus. 
uh, and you're familiar probably, Shag, with Amadeus. And um, here we had the Welsh actor Michael Sheen playing Saglieri. And he performed it as if he was doing an impression of uh, Mario Mario <laughs> from Super Mario Kart. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not going to, do, like, do what he did, but it was a very big and performative version of an Italian accent that was sort of highly stereotyped. And Michael Sheen is a revered actor, and it seemed as a real coup to have you know, shitty little Australia having a great big actor like Michael Sheen come out and play a live performance. And I was sort of watching this thing being like, I'm pretty sure you're just making fun of an entire country and we're meant to go, oh, what a genius. Uh, you're a chameleon and you're managing to do it. And Shag, I just don't quite know how I feel about people performing the culture of others. And on one view, this has been PC gone mad. Fucking just relax, Peach. Can't you watch Armadeus without whinging about Michael Sheen? The answer is maybe I can't watch Armadeus without whinging about Michael Sheen. And I'm just, I come to you, Shag, as my cultural guide uh, and the uh, curator of almost everything I consume, music, food, books, and horror films. And I'm I'm hoping to get some guidance from you. So, so... I've got I've got two points that hopefully mm. can Bring make you feel comfort. at ease about it. Yeah. The first is, while obviously and absolutely representation matters, you know, mm. I don't think that means that all roles can only be played by a person from that. Uh, th- that like I don't think actors can only play exactly who they are. Like yeah, okay. I think the the point of representation matters is the point that if there aren't enough disabled people, if there aren't enough mm. people of color, if there aren't enough whatever in films, we need to rectify that by making sure those roles go to those people. I agree with that, mm. but I also don't, I don't necessarily think actors should be constrained to not be able to play whoever they can. Like you know, obviously there are limitations to that. Blackface obviously being a major one. And mm. I mentioned that because blackface is something that existed in Australia, Australian culture like oh, literally God. like 20 years ago. But mm. I guess my other, my other point is, apropos of what we've been talking about, mm. if you're in Australia, you're watching popular culture and mm. something feels racist, yes, it probably it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a handy test. If it gives you just a little, little ring in your ear, then you go, hmm, yeah, not sure how I feel about that one. It's a big racism tick. So if it's happening here, it's racist. You've got the Spooko endorsement for that. So, look, I'm, I'm going to just appropriate some language right now, turn mm. the car around, skirt, skirt, uh, <laughs> and, do, and, do, and, and do a 180 into something pretty serious. <laughs> Trauma. Okay. All right. I'm, like, obviously something yeah, that, yeah, you know, it. I'm sure you've been unpacking in therapy, you know, like mm. it's it's. It's- no, I haven't. And one of the things I have been unpacking <laughs> is the privilege of not a, a like, yeah. So just, so just to give you an honest answer. I think you do. Everyone does. And the fact that you think you don't, like, I mean, obviously, no, no, everyone's experiences aren't exactly the same. Mm. Anyway, so there's, there's, there's a phenomenon that happens mm. with trauma when it's not addressed is you bury it and then it comes back in really awful and unexpected ways. And I'm just generally talking about any sort of, you know, trauma where, you know, something happens to you that is is traumatic, you don't mm. deal with it well, and then it comes back. And so something that we actually talked about on the pod that happened in 2022, what a year, is that I got involved in like a pretty serious car accident. Mm. And 
just because of the fact that I was turning out, the insurance company deemed me at fault. So, you know, my insurance had to pay out the other person. And it was difficult, uh, but I sort of, I guess I moved on, I thought. And then just before the new year, I come home to find a blank but very clearly thick letter on my doorstep. And I open the letter and it's like it's basically a statement that I'm being sued for the other person's car. And even though I don't even know why it was on my door, like it's all really strange, you know, our insurance covered their car. So the whole thing was strange, right? But immediately what it did was bring back, like I didn't realize it at the time, but what it did was bring back all that trauma of feeling like feeling like a failure, feeling like I'd fucked up, feeling like how could I possibly be a father if I can't even, you know, like drive a car properly. All of those things shame. just came back because, you know, yeah, th- that shame came back because of this one letter. And it, it's, it's a very difficult, um, like, you know, it's, it's a very difficult situation to bring to life in art, right? Like, because if you tell it straight, if you've never experienced it, like, mm. it, it just won't make any sense. And this is where horror comes in to really bring to life what, what trauma does to somebody, right? Like, the lingering effects, the fact that, you know, an event happens and you don't necessarily just move on. Mm. Peach, again, I'm, I'm really sorry because today we're, I mean, fuck, that story was also a bit feel bad club. I am sorry. But, uh, <laughs> We're staying in the feel bad club. We're, yeah, we're feel- staying in the feel bad club, and we're also staying in the potential top hits of 2022 because this film is a fucking doozy. Today, Peach, we are doing a, the 2022 American psychological horror thriller, uh, and I say psychological even though there's a question of whether this is supernatural or not, which I think makes it extra interesting. Today, Peach, we are doing the film Resurrection. It wasn't. What was that gorilla song? It wasn't called Feel Feel Bad Inc. Was it? Feel good, Inc. Feel good. Have you ever done anything bad? When I was young, I did something bad. Unforgivable. There was this man, and he was handsome. Charismatic. And he noticed me. And I guess I wasn't as tough as we thought. What happened? Nothing. I just, I just feel a bit off. I've missed you so much. The life we made was perfect. Come after me. Come after my child. I swear to God, I will kill you. He wants to hurt us. But I won't let that happen. I think you're... Having an episode. I'm the only one that can see you. 
the only person that really knows who you are. Shag, if this is Fight Club, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. Oh, Paige. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, let's do it. All right, okay. So I, I also should note that this film pretty, pretty heavily, like, and God, me being in a car accident is not the same as DV. So I'm not mm. trying to equate traumas. Like, this, this film pretty heavily deals with DV mm. in a... I, I think it does it really well. I think it does it really, you know, darkly, but still not victim blamingly in any way. You know, like mm. it's 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 incredibly well done, but it is very dark. Like this is proper feel bad club territory. All right, so it begins Fucking with Margaret. I've only been in this club for like <laughs> <laughs> a couple I promise, of weeks. I promise, I promise, next week, next week, next week won't, like, uh, next week we we'll take like a, a break. Can we have a fuck feel bad club? Like, one oh, actually, week? no, I've got a really good one for next week. I've got a really okay. fun one for next week, okay, but it's okay. the opposite of feel bad club. If we're finally doing Gremlins too or something, that'd be No, nah, we're good. doing we're doing like 80s Poland club next week, so yeah, that's okay. going to be fun. Um, oh, that's going to sound fun, bad. but I promise it will be fun. <laughs> All right, okay, all right, okay, all right. So Margaret, who you saw in the trailer, is a composed, successful businesswoman living in Albany, New York. Uh, mm. She's a single mother to Abby who is leaving for college. Now, from the very beginning, they do a good job for like 10 to 20 minutes of just setting her up as a woman who doesn't take any shit at work, has her shit together, is mentoring a younger woman in her staff who's having problems with a boyfriend whose who's behavior mm-hmm. is starting to become abusive, right? Like, mm. she's strong. She's a mentor. She's having an affair. Like, weirdly, she's having an affair with Peter, her married co-worker, who clearly is in love with her, but she's just like, no, I'm just using you. Like, I've got my boundaries. Like, she's good with boundaries. She knows what she's doing. Like, she's yeah. got shit under control. Now, before anything goes down, there's this one weird moment that's never really spoken about again, but it's really, it's, it's really important, and I'm glad it's still in the Wikipedia synopsis. And I just mean important for setting the tone of the film. So mm. Abby, her teenage daughter, who's about to go off for college, you know, comes in one day and she's like, hey, I found this tooth in my wallet. And the mom's like, what do you mean? And she's like, here. And she takes out like an adult tooth and she's like, this was in my wallet. Well, maybe it's not an adult tooth, but it's a tooth. It, mm. looks, it looks like, like I, look, I'm not a dentist <laughs> or a dental surgeon. So me being like it's an adult tooth, t- take that. It's just a tooth. It's a two. I do, I do take that. Sorry, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So, I do already feel bad. I must say that really, that really gives me a good sense of foreboding. So, so that night, while Margaret is having sex with Peter, she misses a call from Abby, who had a biking accident while drunk, um, and she's basically like, "Fuck, I'm such a bad mom. I should have taken that call. I'm so sorry." Um, the next day at a work conference, Margaret notices David. Now, David is played by Tim Roth. And I think the mark, there are so many good marks of a great actor. But if you are someone who can be a terrifying villain without a costume, without like makeup, without a scary score behind you, you can just be terrifying as the person you are. I think you're a pretty good actor. And Tim Roth is horrifying in his role in this film as David. So she notices David and she has that moment. Now that moment where the trauma comes back and it's so well acted because 
she sees him and she basically just breaks down. She's like, I can't stay here. I have to leave. She leaves the conference. She has a panic attack. She runs home and Abby was going to go and see a friend that night. And she's like, you can't, you have to stay home. And she doesn't explain anything. That night while she's sleeping, she has a nightmare about the oven burning and going downstairs. She opens the oven and there's a baby in the oven. Also, I'm, I'm so sorry that there's so much baby harming in 2022. It's just, it's the trend. Hopefully it won't continue into 2023. <laughs> Shag's, Shag's ins and outs for 2023. Now, she hasn't told anyone what's going on, but mm. she's starting to become erratic at work. She calls Peter to come to their workplace and have sex in the bathroom. And he's like, this, and, and he comes along, but then he's like, this is a bit weird. What's going on? And she won't tell him and basically makes him leave. She sees David again while shopping and runs off with Abby, who became wary of her behavior. Margaret confronts David in a park. And at first, David is like, I have no idea who you are. What are you talking about? But then admits he knows who she is, claims that Ben is with me and taps his tummy and smiles, his mouth missing a tooth. Margaret goes to the police, but the police are basically like, we can't help you. We, like, basically, like, until anything happens, there's mm. nothing we can do. You can file a report, but it, it won't do anything. She has new locks installed instead and goes and purchases a gun. We then find out because she, she as she's talking to her mentee at work, mm. whose boyfriend's behavior is becoming more and more abusive, mm. she's like, don't get stuck in the situation I was in. <sighs> don't get stuck in the situation I was in and gives one of the most incredible monologues I've seen in a while. Like she says this to, like it's, it's just black behind her. It's just her head, speaks to the camera for a couple of minutes, no cuts. And she explains that when she was really young, she met David, who is this older, charming, charismatic artist. And at the age of 18, with her parents' blessing, who were massive hippies, moved in with him after two weeks. While initially charming and, you know, David being like, you're my muse and, you know, I need you, David soon became abusive and controlling. He asked Margaret to give kindnesses which were essentially acts of self-harm or personal humiliation in return for his love. So they were like, you can't wear shoes anymore or you have to fast for a certain number of days or you have to hold this yoga position for hours on end. And he's like, the more she gave these kindnesses, the better his art became and the more inspired he was. And she just went along with it. And, oh God, that's sounds victim blaming. She, she was younger. He was in control. She She... Uh, acquiesced to his demands. Um, she was unduly influenced. While they were together, she gets pregnant, during which he claims that all his inspiration's gone no matter how many kindnesses she gives to him. She gives birth to a son named Benjamin who became his target for jealousy. One day, after months of just staying home with the child and never leaving his side, she goes out to the store, comes home, <laughs> All right, Peach, I'm sorry. You're going to be. This is oh, the This feel is bad the part. baby. Yeah, okay. This is the this baby. This is the feel bad. She comes home to find 
The only the only thing remaining from Ben are two fingers on the bench. David claims to have eaten him, but he's still alive. He's in his tummy. <clears throat> Margaret became catatonic, and David manipulated her into believing their dead son was alive inside him. And, and, and we'll get to where this goes. She eventually fled to the United States and started an entirely new life. Oh, I really do feel bad. It's, it's like, it's, it's just, it was, I, 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 I. Well, like, why is this a good genre, Shane? Like, I, I can't even know. Uh, it's, it's hard. Was it interesting to you that they were both in Marvel films? I've seen some <laughs> of the Marvel films. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if this happened in, like, Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> oh, Volume 3? Oh, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, like, a really mournful, like, I am Groot. It's uh, like, yeah, you can't, no, no, you, yeah, look, it's, there's, there's no getting around it. This film is completely fucked. Anyway, so <laughs> Margaret asks David to leave and never come back. David continues to manipulate her and implies he is responsible for Abby's accident. He leaves a key to his hotel room where Margaret finds Ben's baby blanket and breaks down. She wakes up the next day lactating. Margaret learns his routine and plans to kill him at a bench near a river because remember she bought that gun. Yes. Um, Abby and Peter ask her to seek help uh, and she's like, what are you doing here? And Abby's like, I know you're having an affair and we both care about you. She hasn't told either of them and of course she can't tell them what's happened. She still blames herself for what happened to Ben. Um, So she just drives both of them away. She finds him on a bench one night, tries to kill David, but, and this is, this is where it gets so unbelievably chilling is he's like, you can't kill me. Ben's inside me. He loves you. He still loves you. And if you kill me, you kill Ben too. And she goes along with it. A delusional and exhausted Margaret hears Ben's cries from David's stomach. David chastises Margaret for trying to kill him and asks for another kindness. She is to hold a complicated yoga position in a public park at night for hours. The next morning, a scared Abby runs away from Margaret. Fuck, this really is feel bad, Club. Fuck, Peach. I'm I'm a little bit sorry this week. Uh, like, I don't know. Maybe it's good for me to, I don't know, be in the feel bad club and feel bad. It is fairly bad to feel bad. I it's, guess that's yeah. my whole thing about the feeling bad. <laughs> I, like, this is, this is a, like, it, it's hard to say why this, like, this is a brilliant film, but... It's a tough watch. Anyway, so the next morning... I often Google, like, why do people like horror films and shit, like, <laughs> to try to prepare for this. And one of the explanations they've got is it's like, oh, during the film, you know, it's really shit and you feel really shit. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, things aren't quite as bad as the film. And so, therefore, everything's good. But, like, I just feel bad. It's just bad. I feel I, bad I, that like, I, I don't, I, I don't know if... That's right for me. And I don't know if this is a satisfying answer, but I like the sensation of being disturbed. I don't know if it's a roller coaster thing. I don't know if it's a pushing my limits thing, but being disturbed, I, 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 I search out 
experiences to be disturbed, hence me enjoying horror and in horror Wikipedia synopses. And even though some of them leave me feeling scarred and I wish I hadn't read that, <laughs> part of me is searching for those experiences. Anyway, so that's why that's why I created the Feel Bad Club. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm in the Feel Bad Club, yeah. I think. Well, I guess I think I, I'm not sure. Am I in it? I guess I am. Well, I'm, I do want to support any club you founded, so I, I guess I'll be, at least, I, I'll I be at least an associate member. You know what? It is kind of fucked that I didn't ask you if you wanted to be a member of the Feel Bad Club. I should have asked. I'm like, I mean, you know, I mean, if you're doing it, it's very. It does, I do feel pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Let's, let's finish this film pitch. Okay. So the next morning, a scared Abby runs away from Margaret. Peter, who has been watching Margaret out of worry secretly, confesses his love to her, but she's like, have you been stalking me? Basically projects her anger at, you know, being manipulated <clears throat> by David onto Peter punches and threatens him and is basically pushes him away and is like, leave me alone, never see me again. David then visits Margaret at work and asks her to come to a hotel room. That night, before she does, she writes a goodbye letter to Abby and records a video message that's basically like, I love you, I'm sorry, uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't stop this. At the hotel room, when she opens the door, David's like super friendly and is like, come in, you know, don't worry about the killing, whatever. Come in. I've got some champagne. Sit down. You look beautiful. I'm so happy to see you. Is is like that chilling version of David that after the abuse pretends to love, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. And that's what's happening in this room. They sit down and David makes Margaret feel his belly and claims that Ben is moving and he's happy to see her and that he still loves her. Margaret, who had taped knives to her wrists, pulls them out and tries to attack him. There's a struggle. He gets the upper hand at first, but because she has absolutely nothing left to lose, even with a knife in her back, she manages to get him on the floor incapacitated and ties him up to the bed. At this point, David kind of breaks his, like, manipulative character and is basically like, you bitch, don't do this to me. You can't do this. Like, it's, it's, it stops being, like, the controller yeah. and, you know, from a point of vulnerability that basically rushes out. Yeah. yeah, in fear, in anger. <clears throat> Margaret, after tying him up to the bed, slices open his stomach, which kills mm. him, pulls out his intestines, like, in a very graphic, you know, one-by-one one sort of way. I mean, there's only two, but, you know, there's a lot of pulling out that happens. <laughs> and inside his belly, apparently, finds a breathing fetus that she picks up and holds with care. The final scene has, like... A little bit of a glow, like you know, it has like a slight filter. It's a slight blur. Yeah, it has a slight blur filter on top of it. It's very brightly lit, and, and I think there's an implication that this scene isn't happening or is a dream, but it's not explained. 
is her in bed in the morning, cradling Ben, sort of just nursing him, just being very happy. Abby comes in and Abby says, hey, mom, I'm not afraid anymore. And thanks her for keeping her safe. Margaret says, why don't you come here and hold the baby yourself? Abby comes over. We zoom in on Margaret's face, who stares into the distance, and her smile slowly fades away before she gasps in terror. And that's the end of Resurrection. I do feel pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed that it gave me Fight Club. Yeah. To be fair, you would never, ever pick that that would happen in this film. Like, you would never, like, there's, there's no, again, it's a testament to horror that it can do things with the genre mm. that haven't been done before that you just wouldn't expect that feel like completely new experiences. And fuck, like, if it, like, the, the power of horror is that we've, like, we've joked about things, you know, we've, mm. we've laughed about things in this episode and it feels ro- like I'm going to listen back to this and I'm going to feel weird about editing things because the content of, and even making the joke about the Feel Bad Club, like the contents of this film in terms of their real life representation of DV are so fucking heavy and the trauma and PTSD, but also the the fictional subject matter as well uh, is some of the heaviest shit that we've talked about in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 like, I, I think I'm just talking because I, I feel bad for bringing you in to the Feel Bad Club this week, Peach. Resurrection, what did you think? Well, um, I don't know. I don't want to victim blame you, Shag. I, like, I, you know, <laughs> I was always going to join. That was inevitable. <laughs> but here we find ourselves. I guess we've got another few hundred episodes to figure out. Maybe if we ever – okay, here we are. Maybe if we ever do merch for Spooko, it won't be the brand on shit. It'll be Feel Bad Club. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's just do. Let's just do that. Diverting thoughts. This is just something other than fucking Tim Roth eating a baby and then gaslighting someone for twenty. Just years. even you saying that, like fuck. Yeah. Fuck. In fact, I don't want that to be what we leave people on on this episode, Peach. At give Pilates, me a moment. Of- people wear interesting <laughs> socks, right? Because you do it in your socks. We'll have feel bad club socks in bright colours. There'll be like a lime green, hot pink, and like a sort of. Like electric blue. And it's got like a sick double meaning because exercise often feels bad in the moment. Yes. It feels good afterward. Not sure if Pilates counts as exercise though. You just <laughs> hang around stretching and just receive compliments. Like the whole time it's like, fucking Peach, like you're the best. Keep on doing that stretch. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm doing good stuff around here. I'm doing, it's like lie down on this weird machine all these springs. I'm like, I oh, will do that. It's like. Peach, have you done this before? Like, you're amazing at lying down on that thing. And I'm like, yeah, man, look up. I've never done it before. This this must be a natural at lying down on this. It's a fucking feel-good club in here. What up? Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?